Hi, this is Chris Bates from Grower Talks Magazine. You're listening to WCGO Radio 1590 and 95.9 Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Nowak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. This guy's a real jerk. He always acts like he's the only one in the preserves. This jerk is a trail hog. Whether he's on bike or on foot, not only does this jerk walk down the middle of the trail, but his music is so loud he's oblivious to others. On your right, jerk! Sometimes there's an entire family of jerks four wide on the trail. Hey jerk, pay attention to your kids. That's not what we meant. People should travel on the right and let others pass on the left. But that's not how this family of jerks rolls. Hey, jerk, this is a terrible place to take a photo. Acting like you own the trail is rude and could have disastrous consequences. Zigzagging on a trail? Yeah, that's a jerk move. It's important for adults to teach kids proper trail etiquette, which is the exact opposite of what you're doing, jerk. We encourage people to slow down and check out wildlife. But this is one heck of a jerk move. It's fantastic that so many people use the district's trail systems. But it's important to follow basic trail rules. Failure to do so can not only ruin the experience for everyone else, but also can be dangerous. So, don't be a jerk. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Don't be a jerk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. What a jerk. In the And I do believe, okay, that's the microphone, that's there the headset. Are. There we are. There you are. We haven't even done a mic test. It's like... <laughs> Uh, Andrew says you have 60 seconds. Wow. Yeah, really. <laughs> to do what? To do what, Andrew? I have 60 seconds to what? I double dare you, Andrew. To, I can't hear myself either. To get my life in order? Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, uh, and this is not about you, Andrew. What a jerk. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm, <laughs> I'm just uh, playing. I want to give a shout out. Well, hey, hi, everybody. Hello. How, how you doing? Hello, Peggy, hello. you just keep typing. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing the show broadcast to WCGO on Facebook from the Mike Novak Show on oh, Facebook. Okay. Because we're also on, where else this morning? 
Uh, well, n- uh, that's not where I was going to start. We'll get to that okay. in a second. Uh, I wanted I'll keep to, typing then. Yeah, that's it. You just keep doing that so we can tell people what's going on. I wanted to give a shout out uh, to my friends at uh, the uh, Forest Preserve District of Will County, which is nearby. Uh, it rings uh, the Chicago area. It's one of the uh, counties here. And that's at the top of the show. You heard the don't be a jerk thing. They, that's the third in their series. Uh, this is don't be a jerk uh, on the trail. And you don't even have to see the video. There is a video. And I wanted to let people know they can see these great videos. Don't be a jerk. And it's and it really has to do with any area that where you go out. And you you enjoy nature, a forest preserve or a park or whatever. Don't be a jerk when you're out there, okay? Because you'll have people saying to you. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Exactly. (laughs) So, (laughs) What a jerk. Indeed. I think they need T-shirts for this, too. uh, And you can go to reconnectwithnature.org, and then you look under their news events. And you'll see their videos. I, I just wanted to give a shout out to Will County because I love those "Don't Be a Jerk" videos, and they've got them about bringing your pet to there, about litter, and they've got a, the fourth one hasn't come out yet. That will be the last one in the series. There'll be four. But uh, before we break here and we talk lawn care, oh boy, the uh, deadly uh, the deadly lawn care. Uh, subject the great black hole of horticultural discussion where all rational thought is sucked in and is never seen again uh we want to let people know we're all over the place we are out there not only are we streaming live on facebook at the mike novak show on facebook and also those of you who are my friends also my local page mike novak uh we're also on twitter on what they call Periscope, and I'm sure there's at least four people in the United States who watch Periscope, <laughs> at least four, maybe five. Uh, I don't know if anybody watches Periscope, but we're there. We're trying it out. We'll see what happens on Twitter. The problem is it should just po- pop up on the feed on Twitter, but it doesn't. You actually mm-hmm. have to have the app. But the other thing is YouTube. We have started our YouTube page, and here's the deal, folks. If you want to watch the show, you can do it without subscribing, but we want you to subscribe for the first 100 subscribers to our YouTube page, you're going to get a goodie. Now, I'm not the first 100. I, I'm going to do, pick like five or ten Ooh. out of the first 100. So it's going to be a random drawing. And those folks are going to get something. I don't know what it is yet, but you'll get a good, goodie from the Mike Novak yeah. Show. So go to YouTube. You're, you're going to want to subscribe, yes. And subscribe. Don't just like the thing on Facebook. Go and subscribe. We'll be right back. City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, wants to remove all barriers to your gardening success. How? By providing organic heirloom plants for your kitchen garden, pollinator-friendly natives and annuals, container planting to go. They deliver the plants you put them in. Who does that? Classes for adults and kids, special events, and more. They even have complimentary valet parking on weekends. 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa, citygrange.com. Learn. Shop. Blossom. 
Get out of your car and join the people of Evanston as they walk, bike, play, and celebrate green living in a car-free mile of Main Street on September 8th. Activities include exercise classes, bike activities, music, interactive art, a giant Jenga, Bollywood dance, and more. The Evanston Green Living Festival will be there with products, services, and ideas to help attendees lead more sustainable lives. And the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is a sponsor. Go to evanstonstreetsalive.org or find them on Facebook. Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed away down the highway? Zero to 60 in under three seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2019 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV. But you need to get your tickets soon because only 2,500 will be sold. So how do you win? Go to store.illinoisolar.org. That's store.illinoisolar.org. Buy one raffle ticket for $100 or the four-pack for $300. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. The winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 5th, 2019. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible to win, and you don't even need to be present at the drawing to claim your prize. So get your tickets, the rules, and all the other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And I'm playing this uh, because a listener wrote to me last week. I played Powerhouse from Looney Tunes. Mm -hmm. Carl Stalling put it together. This is the original version by a guy named Raymond Scott. And um, it's the original Powerhouse. And I didn't know there was an original Powerhouse. So, Stephen... And Looney Tunes did a cover of it? I uh, did a cover of, yeah, did a cover <laughs> of Powerhouse for their cartoons. And so I tracked down the original, and I'm going to play another part of it, and then you'll recognize it even more uh, when I do that later on. Well, coming back in the next segment, you'll get to hear the rest of it. So thanks to listener Stephen Davis. Uh, for alerting me, because I didn't know there was an original version of Powerhouse. I thought Carl Stalling, uh, from Looney Tunes fame, their musical director, had written it. Hmm. But no, he ripped it off from a guy named Raymond Scott. And that is, a, and I don't even, it's like, it looks like it's in the 30s that it was first recorded. So there you go. Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Well, look who's in the studio with us. Ryan Anderson from Midwest Grows Green. How are you, dude? Good. How about you? Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for uh, coming back in. I had to bring you back because it's the end of August. Mm-hmm. And you know what happens at... Well, see, you know this, Ryan. And I think Peggy knows it. I don't think Andrew does, and I don't think Ellie does, uh, but I do, which is this is lawn care season. And as I wrote on my blog, you wouldn't know it from watching TV or listening to other commercials on the radio because... You're not hearing lawn care commercials right now. You get them in April. You get them in March and April and maybe May. All right. That's that's when you get those because the big uh, chemical companies say, hey, this is the time to work on your lawn. And and it's because I'm not even sure why it's because. 
because this is the best time of the year, to, especially in the Midwest, maybe not in other parts of the country, in the warm uh, season grasses, which uh, are, are more south. But in the Midwest and the northern tier where you have cool season grasses, this is the time to get your lawn together. You start basically at the end of August. And I got to tell you, we've got cool weather coming in for the next week. So this is so perfect, isn't it? Yeah, I always say you do your best spring lawn care in the fall. Um, (laughs) So There you uh, go. uh, And... That uh, starts by really setting those deep roots that contain the nutrients as well as the hormones in your grass. So that just shoots right back in the spring and greens mm-hmm. up where you don't even need fertilizer. Well, and, and part of what's going on here, too, is that you you plant stuff in the fall. All right. As we as I mentioned, uh, the, 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 the grass, the turf varieties we like here in the Midwest are what they call cool season grasses, which is Kentucky bluegrass and the fescues and the rye. Um, they like it when it's cool, and they grow really well when it's cool. When it gets warm, not so much. They're not really happy with that. So if you plant it in the spring, which the big chemical companies who do all the advertising tell you to do, what happens is, is the, the grass starts to grow, and then it gets whacked by the heat. Mm-hmm. And now you're coddling it through the summer and trying to keep it alive. If you do it in August, the, uh, the turf germinates, and then it germinates into cool weather, which it really loves, and then it sends down its roots and then you can uh, get it lush in the fall, and then it'll die back in the in the or go dormant in the winter, and in the spring it's ready to rock. Yeah, and uh, the other concern with uh, spring, I mean, sometimes it's good to oversee the spring, but uh, a lot of times when you're fertilizing, uh, the nutrients will go to the shoots. So focus mm-hmm. on the shoots and not the roots, which is a <laughs> uh, a big problem because uh, that could actually stress out the plant. Um, and that's where we can get, get uh, such things as burning or anything like that. Good point also, yeah. And that's, <laughs> and that's one of the things that happens in the fall, even with trees, is that the energy goes into the roots mm-hmm. and, uh, and in, not in the leaf production. And, of course, in, in lawn, the leaf production is a blade of grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I try to hammer this every year, let folks know this is the time to do it. I don't know if anybody's listening uh, and as you say, you can overseed any time of year. All right. Uh, explain what overseeding is, Ryan. Yeah. So overseeding, uh, it depends on the type of grass. Kentucky bluegrass, you might not need to overseed as much. Um, but with fescue... Well, wait a second. Grasses. Explain why that is. And I know <laughs> yeah. why that is. <laughs> um, so Kentucky bluegrass spreads laterally by rhizomes. So it, it could yeah. actually... Um, you might not even need to uh, overseed it at all. Um, but fescue does not spread by rhizomes, so you do often you do need to do that overseed for the fescue just to get that dense, deeply rooted turf grass system, so that it outcompetes weeds as well as other pests for that that space and the nutrients as well as uh, the sunlight. Although I will say, and we got a call pouring in here. I bet we got a lawn care question. And by the way, if if you're interested in that, eight seven 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 eleven fifty six eleven is our phone number. We're happy to answer your lawn care questions. Um, one thing I will say, and then we're going to get to our guest who's on the phone as well, is um, I think what some folks do is they got this huge bare patch in their lawn, and they say, "Don't worry, the Kentucky bluegrass will spread." As you say, it'll mm-hmm. it'll it'll fill it in. It's not going to fill it in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've you got to do some overseeding if you've got a huge bear patch. But to some degree, yeah, it spreads. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got to use common sense. As I tell folks, okay, you've got a, a part of your garden 
where a plant died. You don't wait for the other plants to spread. What do you do? You go out and get another plant and you mm-hmm. fill in that area. Same thing with overseeding is that. And it also makes your turf stronger. You want uh, more grass plants to outcompete the weeds. And that's all part of what we're going to talk about this morning, which is natural lawn care. Some people call it organic lawn care. I prefer to call it natural lawn care. Or sustainable lawn or care. Susta- well, however, yeah, yeah smart Lawn care. That, Non-chemical that, lawn care. All of that stuff, all right? Because you don't have to resort to the weed and feed, which is poison in synthetic fertility. That's what I call weed and feed, and nobody would buy it if they called it poison in synthetic fertility, so that's why they call it <laughs> weed and feed, because it's a cute name. All right. Hey, let's go to the phone then uh, and bring in our other guest here, and that is Brandon Losey. Or Lucy, I guess is that's how you pronounce your last name, right, Brandon? Yeah, L O W C, Lucy. Oh, okay, Lucy, uh, and he's from yeah. Ringers Landscaping in the Chicago area. And this is one of the things you do as well. You you help people with their natural lawn care efforts. Uh, is there anything we said just now that you would take issue with, or that you want to add to? No, I would just add, um, I mean, that's the bulk of our program is concentrated in the fall mm-hmm. because of all the reasons that you guys already um, presented. But I would also say we don't do a lot of intensive, um, like, coloration or dethatching in the spring just due to the amount of germinating weed seeds. So we like to really hit the lawn hard with coloration, top dress, overseed. That all happens right now in the fall because there's a lot less. Um, weed seeds that will be germinating as well. All right, and and you've actually uh, done very well to bring up uh, some of the other techniques that you use in natural lawn care. Uh, we we had mentioned overseeding, but you're talking about core aeration, which is a big deal if you want a healthy lawn. So let's let's start there. I mean, I I could explain why core aeration works. But um, and our caller has that exact question. Well, why don't we go to our caller then? All right, fine. Uh, one of these days we're going to get a real screen where they can just say caller. On. Oh, and it's not texted to me, and I write it down and show it to you. Exactly. <laughs> she and she wrote it in crayon. Oh, well, actually, she wrote it in blood, and then uh, and and I have to see it. So, Tom, hi, Tom. You're on the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. Good morning. Good morning. And you had a question about core aeration. Yes, that's right. Um, I uh, I have heard that it's uh, it, it's good. It's a it's a great uh, sort of pre-step uh, to seeding your lawn. Uh, but then I also heard something about some sort of a rake-like device, which isn't aeration, but it's supposed to be uh, as good as, if not better. Uh, so, if you could please elaborate on on those, if you're aware of the the rake thing as well. Sure, and I got a feeling. Uh, Ryan and Brandon that he's talking about a power rake is, is what I'm thinking. Uh, did, does either of you, Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we refer to it as dethatching or, or power raking. Um, that would be a method utilized if you had a lot of thatch build up in your lawn, um, which is usually due to too much nitrogen yeah. um, <laughs> and low organic matter and Poor soil biology, so that thatch layer isn't getting broken down and, and um, returned to the soil. Um, but yeah, it's sort of an intensive raking out of the dead thatch layer in order to open up air space and the flow of 
water and oxygen into the the, the root structure of the grass. Right, and that what... again is something that is something we would do in the fall because in the spring you're just going to stir up a lot of weed seeds. So <laughs> it keeps mentioning that. weed seeds, and <laughs> and this is one of the things you need to know whether you're doing your lawn or doing your garden. When you start digging around and raking up stuff, you're raking up weed seeds as well. So you give them an opportunity to germinate. Um, and we should also point out here, Tom, that uh, the power raking or dethatching is not the same as core aeration. Uh, it, is a, it, is a, it, is a, it is a different process. And, Ryan, I'm going to let you start on there with core aeration. And, exp- and I've, I've used a core aerator before. Just so you know, Brandon, I've, I've had my, my hands on one of those puppies, and it'll drag you around the yard like nobody's business. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Um, but, uh, Ryan, explain what coration, what it is and what it does. Yeah, so core aeration is uh, basically taking these whole plugs about three to six inches uh, deep. Uh, once you kind of leave it on the ground, it looks kind of like goose poop. Um, <laughs> I beg your pardon. You can't say that. <laughs> can you, yeah, I don't think you can say that. Wait a minute. Um, but, yeah, it's a really good, great way to reduce that soil compaction um, because you want to let that air, the water, as well as the nutrients get in and out of that soil profile right. is the focus with the core aeration. So there's a lot of machines uh, that you can probably rent from a hardware store. And it's really great. We're talking about overseeding to do that core aeration right before the overseed so that you can ensure that seed to soil contact as well because you're uh, opening up holes and allowing um, some space and it can also reduce some of that thatch as well yeah uh brandon do you, anything you want to add on core aeration and then i'll throw in my two cents no yeah i mean i think especially focusing core aeration on high traffic areas in your lawn compaction is is sort of the uh the trigger for most weed issues um, dandelions and crabgrass these types of weeds really like compacted soil and creeping charlie creeping charlie or or ground creeping charlie (laughs) or or ground ivy as some people call it uh loves compacted soil so what i what i would say is that you you mentioned a really good point brandon which is and i can i have the perfect example which is my backyard uh my neighbors Mm -hmm. have kids and have had kids in that yard for a, a, a decade okay different families different kids come in and they have compacted that soil like crazy. So when it rains, that soil turns into a lake because the water cannot drain fast enough. Um, and so it sits there. And that's because the soil had been, has been compacted by all the use, all the walking on it, all the playing, all the soccer that's on there. My yard, I have no kids. And I have a cat. My cat <laughs> treads very lightly in my backyard. And um, I, uh, amend my soil and I, and I don't, I don't, uh, use a, uh, um, a, um, I haven't core aerated, uh, ever in my backyard cause I haven't had to, uh, it drains very nicely and then I don't compact it. So when it, we get a rainstorm and I look at my neighbor's yard with, that's a lake, mine's all drained. It's, it's all nice and green. Um, and that's the point of core aeration. You want the water to be able to drain, but you want the roots to be able to go down uh, of grass or plants, whatever you have growing there, you want the roots to not get stopped by the hard pan that is there. So that's why you core aerate. Now, Tom, um, do you have hard pan in your yard? Would you say your soil is compacted? I would. Uh, we, we've never had the core aeration done before. 
Um, so just listening to you, uh, I appreciate it. It's been very helpful, and I could see, uh, uh, I could totally see a, a need for it. Um, you know, I was curious too. Forgive me for kind of uh, changing channels here for a second. But, no, that's all right. And you may have covered this prior. Okay. Um, what sort of grass seed uh, would you recommend for like the northwest side of Chicago, uh, if that helps uh, the, the area? Uh, all right. Uh, we got about two minutes here. We'll break, but we'll hold you if we need to, Tom. Um, what's more important than the northwest side of Chicago is whether you have sun or shade. Ex- absolutely, yeah. So if you have sunny, about eight hours of sun or more, you want to get a Kentucky bluegrass mix, uh, predominantly Kentucky bluegrass. You can get some fescues in there as well. If it's a shady area, you want to look at uh, tall fescue-dominant mixes. Uh, because they can handle that. Uh, Brandon, mm-hmm. uh, do, is, are there any particular brands that you like? Brandon. Oh, we've lost Brandon. All right, we got to get Brandon back. Um, one of the things I will say um, is it also depends, Tom, on what you want to do with your yard. Um, if you if you want high traffic on it, as uh, Ryan says, Kentucky bluegrass is probably an answer. It's pretty tough. It also it demands more water and a little more care. Got to keep your eye on it. Uh, you can get these Lomo or Nomo brands now. They have mm-hmm. a lot of fescues in them, but they're not necessarily something you're going to play soccer on. Mm-hmm. They're go- but you can walk on them, but you also don't mow them as much, and so they're a little taller and they're pretty, but it might not be that really flat surface that people are used to in those commercials on TV. Um, but they also don't require a lot of maintenance. So that's the good yeah. thing. Right, Ryan? Yeah, fescue you don't see a lot in sports fields, but um, it's good <laughs> no, <laughs> for no, a shady area. You're not going <laughs> to see that. In fact, that's. I'm glad you brought that. That's a good segue. Tom, um, I hope this helped. Uh, and uh, the other thing I will say is you might need to core aerate more than once. You might do it in the fall. You might do it again a year later. Just keep it up until the soil is friable. Uh, write to me, Mike at MikeNovak.net. I'll give you more information, okay? We'll be right back. Hi, this is Peggy. McHenry County's largest annual green living event is also one of our area's best green events. The 2019 Green Living Expo, November 2nd at McHenry County College in Crystal Lake, attracts hundreds of attendees. We know, we've been there, and it's impressed us for years. So get your business in front of this crowd as a vendor or sponsor. And yes, green holiday gift ideas are welcome too. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. If you love to landscape with trees and you haven't been to Rich's Foxwillow Pines in Woodstock, you've missed out on their collection of unique conifers and rare deciduous trees. 
Unfortunately, after 31 years in business, they're closing their doors at the end of 2019. So now is the time to take advantage of 40% off for container trees and 30% off in-ground trees. There's still a good supply of pines, spruces, firs, hemlocks, junipers, yews, and the deciduous larches, bald cypresses, and dawn redwoods. Many of the cultivars are dwarf in form or have unusual shapes, such as weeping, mounding, columnar, or angular. Like I said, these are not your grandfather's conifers. If you've been to the Shedd Aquarium, the Lincoln Park Conservatory, or the Chicago Botanic Garden, you've seen some of these fantastic trees. Go to Rich's Fox Willow Pines for more information. Follow them on Facebook and sign up for the e-newsletter. the second part of powerhouse that i was telling you about uh it's pretty cool by raymond scott and this is the part you might recognize from the looney tunes but they orchestrated it a little bit differently we should post our playlists after the show uh we should sometimes so there you go that's my tribute to Stephen davis thanks for writing to tell me about that welcome back to the mike novak show with peggy malecki and i know wait a second Talk amongst yourselves. Talk amongst ourselves. Okay. Well, we're we are here this morning with Ryan Anderson and Brian uh, Ryan yeah <laughs> Brandon Losey talking All right. about natural lawn care. So, okay, you ready? And before we get back to lawn care, you got <laughs> got a minute for your trees. Bartlett Tree Experts is a sponsor of the Plant Clinic at the Morton Arboretum and the Arboretum in its latest plant health care report has information about something called seasonal needle drop. In autumn, many evergreens will drop older needles. This is a normal process. Needles on an evergreen live for a limited number of years. At the end of their lives, these needles will turn brown and eventually fall off. On some evergreens, such as white pine or arborvitae, this process can be very dramatic, making the evergreen look like it's dying. To determine if your tree has a disease or is going through normal needle drop, check the location of the browning. Trees going through normal needle drop will have a fairly uniform brown or yellow appearance in the interior of the tree since this is where the oldest needles are located. After a few weeks, these needles will fall off, leaving the tree looking normal and healthy. Trees with a disease may have brown needles in various areas of the tree depending on the disease, but the appearance will not be as uniform as that of needle drop and the tree won't look healthy. If you're unsure... Give Bartlett Tree Experts a call because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We have, as Peggy said, Ryan Anderson and Brandon Lucy uh, talking about lawn care. And the calls are pouring in. Don't worry, Ryan. We're going to get to Midwest Grows Green and what you're doing with Stonyfield Organic because they're taking a couple of fields across the Midwest and taking care of them in an organic way. You mentioned 
athletic fields and and we'll talk and parks and we'll talk about that and that seems to be the trend now a lot of municipalities are are saying and i know the city of chicago has has done the same thing yeah we 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 try not to use any of that stuff anymore and we'll talk about wise uh, reasons why you you shouldn't do that but who have we got on the line now we've got carl from the northwest side of chicago hey carl you're on the mic what no okay oh he's gone oh carl all right we hardly knew you uh, you're welcome to call back 877-711-5611. He was talking about clay soil, but which is basically the same thing as hard pan. Um, uh, not always because you can have hard pan, you can have compacted soil. That's actually good soil once you free it up. Mm-hmm. But clay soil is another issue altogether, isn't it, Ryan? Yeah. Clay soil, obviously, uh, doesn't have a, or has a high water retention or, or stuff like that. So it's hard to get the water through that soil profile. Right. Um, so we were talking over the break about compost. That's uh, one option uh, to kind of increase the porosity of your soil. Um, and you can work that in with a core aeration uh, or you can aerate before and then put the compost in. And that mm-hmm. will help with the clay soil. I've also heard um, we have a couple of park districts that use gypsum to kind of reduce that. Uh, that kind of uh, – or to improve the drainage of their soil on their sports fields. Yeah, and let's go out to Brandon. You're uh, with Ringers, and you guys are kind of in the northwest yourself, right? Yep, we're out in uh, Barrington, Fox River Grove, Cary area. Um, uh, and I know you got a fair, a fair <laughs> amount of clay soil out that way, don't you? Yeah, and that's exactly like Ryan said. We actually – like part of our program is we have a calcium gypsum type product that helps helps break up that clay, um, and then top dressing with compost is also part of our program. So just to kind of give you an example, in the fall, in one visit, because we have two specialized machines, we're actually correlating, top dressing, overseeding, and then putting down a liquid um, organic form of nitrogen. So it's kind of a, a huge injection in the fall to kind of. Mm-hmm. Help build up that root system and turf density and, and help combat those sort of hard-packed clay conditions that we do have out here. And we do that for sports fields as well. Um, just, again, with all the compaction you get from the from the, uh, the, the play, that we'll do like a triple pass of core aeration just to, to break up all that compaction because you really want that nooks and crannies and, and healthy soil is kind of where all the magic happens and if, yeah. if you lose that you're gonna you're gonna lose the the magic so. what, what, but wow that's interesting a triple pass of core aeration so what happens where where's the point at which it becomes rototilling that's what i want to know because because uh, <laughs> it because uh if you go a triple pass of core aeration there's not a lot of solid ground left at that point is there uh, no, but that's actually, I mean, you're only kind of breaking up that, that top couple inches of yeah, soil and that's then it makes that nice seed, that, that nice seed bed and mixes in the compost. And yeah, you can't really, I mean, those fields get pretty beat up by the end of the season and they're, they're usually playing games if it's raining out, you know, they're not, mm-hmm. you know, considering the weather conditions, what that's going to be doing to the soil or the grass. They want to get the, they want to get the games in, so. Uh, by the way, if you want to get more information uh, from Brandon's outfit, it is ringerslandscaping.com, R-I-R-I-N-G-E-R-S, ringerslandscaping.com. And uh, if you want to know more about what uh, Ryan Anderson is doing, he is at midwestgrowsgreen.org, 
and you can find out about their and they've got lots of great tips here uh, at uh, uh, Midwest Grows Green and, and the projects they're working on. But I wanted to recap really quickly for those listening. We're talking about fall lawn care, and one of the best things you can do. And I'm glad we started out that phone call with the phone call from Tom. Is that one of the best things you can do is core aerate, and you pull the plugs out. Then you add some compost, as uh, Brandon was saying, and then you overseed. You get that seed started in the fall. Uh, what happens then once the seed gets started? Are you going to provide uh, – I know, Brandon, you mentioned some of your nutrients that you add. Ryan, uh, what is it that you suggest at Midwest Grows Green? Uh, yeah, so uh, for that overseed, you just – for while it germinates, you want to water it just a little bit uh, each – each day or a couple well, days. Well, that's but, a um. key. I mean, you got to keep when you're <laughs> trying to get a, a grass seed to germinate, it has to stay moist the whole mm-hmm. time, basically. Yeah. So if you got straw you can put on it, that's excellent. That helps keep the moisture in. But otherwise, you're just, it's the one time that you want to water lightly, not deeply, is mm-hmm. when you're germinating uh, grass seed. Otherwise, you want to water deeply and not lightly yeah. uh but the the one time you want to break that rule is when it's germinating right yeah absolutely um and the compost uh, is pretty good for nitrogen uh in in this season but uh you might want to do a late season uh fertilization in uh late october or november uh just to make sure that you set those deep roots mm-hmm. uh so that it springs back in the spring all right and what kind of fertilizers and i guess uh brandon this will apply to you but i'll start with ryan what kind of fertilizers do you like for the fall and what do you like in general obviously uh i assume you're not fans of synthetics yeah we advocate for organic uh brandon might know a little bit more about the specific products uh for the organic fertilizers, Brandon, what 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 do you like? Most most of the um, products we use are organic forms of nitrogen and NPK. So, what that really means is, you know, for it to become available to the plant, it needs to be broken down and cycled through the soil biology to actually become available to the grass. So, it's not a quick injection of nitrogen that's going to ca- cause a lot of top growth. Um, and it's also not going to leach out in any bodies of water nearby. So that's sort of the benefit is it sort of is held in the soil and slowly made available to the plant through healthy soil biology. Uh, so it's usually from like chick- chicken manure or mm-hmm. kelp or, Good. you know, organic sources. Yeah. And I wanted to say is uh, 20 years ago, you couldn't find uh, organic uh, fertilizers for lawns, or at least they were. I mean, those things existed. The but that's that's how they existed. The, you know, you would look for chicken manure. You look for um, um, what's the uh, oh, what's uh, I'm going to blank on it. Uh, diff- different kinds of meal, feather meal, and and those kinds of things. Yeah. Now, now you can go to companies like Espoma and Doctor Earth, and they have specific organic lawn care fertilizers. And here's the trick for that. You will see that it will have like um, a three one two uh, in the NPK ratio, or something like that, or a, maybe really high. It's a five two three. You know, the point is the numbers are low. And NPK is nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. When you see a bag of fertilizer, those three numbers are nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. When they're low. That means it's generally going to be gentler. You will go to the big box stores 
and you will see the, what I call the synthetic <laughs> fertility and uh, poison <laughs> in synthetic fertility because those fertilizers will have 28% by weight of nitrogen on wow. a bag or more uh, or around there. Um, and, a, and you know what's happening to that stuff. It's, it's going into the water table, isn't it, uh, Ryan? Yeah, and you know, one thing we also like to talk about is there's already a lot of nitrogen in the soil. Uh, you just need to unlock it with this aeration, uh, with the soil biology and everything like that. Um, you know, a lot of people will say uh, that just recycling your grass clippings takes away or uses about 50% of the nitrogen that you need for the whole year. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, if you do these... So, what, what, are you, what are you telling me? That I should leave my clippings on my lawn? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's leave your crazy clippings talk. on the lawn. Another thing is the leaf mulch. Um, uh, once the leaves fall on the ground, don't yeah. uh, compost that and return it to the soil as well because that's also nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium in those leaves. And mulch the leaves right on the lawn. Yeah, mulch the leaves. I would compost them okay. or... Um, uh, because you could mold your uh, lawn or anything like that. So if you you want to leave a little bit of leaf litter, mm-hmm. mow over the the leaves, and then just return the, those ni- uh, nutrients to the, the ground. The point is use Mother Nature, what Mother Nature is giving you, and put it back into the soil, and you can make your soil healthy. Uh, Brandon, anything you want to add to that? You know, having a tolerance for clover as well in the lawn. <laughs> I mean, I think any... Any, any level of diversity in the lawn is a good thing, but clover especially actually fixes nitrogen. All right. It'll pull nitrogen from the, from the atmosphere and put it in the soil. So Repeat after me. That's your advantage. Repeat after me. Clover is not a weed. Clover <laughs> is, is not, not a weed. weed. It's not a weed. It's, not, it's a nitrogen <laughs> fixer. It's taking nitrogen out of the air for free and putting it into your ground for free. All right, we're going to continue this. We'll be right back. <laughs> Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. What happens when you bring together hundreds of people from diverse faiths and walks of life across Illinois and the Midwest with the goal of healing the earth? You get the Green Team Summit, which celebrates the 20th anniversary of Faith in Place. This important gathering happens on Saturday, September 14th at the Field Museum in Chicago. And the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki will be there. We want you to join us to fight for environmental justice. Go to faithinplace.org. This is Mike Novak, and I just proved that the climate crisis is real. Meteorologist Rick DeMaio gets the goods from Fred Braun from the village of Niles, Illinois. Do you find yourself playing differently before you begin the winter season now? Definitely. We start earlier. We've moved everything up about a month. We used to do that in November, early November. Now we're doing it in October. When city crews are changing their schedules, you know it's real. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, Sundays 9 to 11 on 1590 and 95.9. Do you know that Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? This is Peggy, and I know this is true because for eight years I've been publishing Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and they're ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicago who will respond to your message. 
They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, doctors, dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. See, that's what happens if you turn your sprinkler on 15 minutes a day at noon. Uh, your grass starts singing, I got no roots. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, and, that, and it's true to some d- degree. That's why you water deeply once a week uh, rather than often. Uh, a little bit every day. That's just crazy. And people will have their sprinkler systems on in the middle of a rainstorm and just on and on and on. And and a lot of people, Brandon, you probably run into this, don't even know how to set their sprinkler systems, do they? No, they have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, irrig- irrigation is good for vegetables and maybe a golf course, but and, otherwise not something that And they're sprinkling the, the sidewalk and... <laughs> Yeah, oh, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad to hear yeah. you say that. That you're not a fan of irrigation for for lawns, and people would say, "What are you nuts? How are we going to keep it green?" Brandon, or rather, Ryan, you're nodding about that. Yeah. Um, well, Kentucky bluegrass it actually goes often into dormant state, so that's when it turns brown. But that doesn't mean it's dying. It just means it's going to sleep. Um, mm-hmm. And once rain comes back up, it'll green back up. So. If you're okay with a brown lawn, that's fine. Your lawn won't die. <laughs> and, and here's something else that you should know about that is if you have if your lawn goes dormant, turns brown in the middle of the summer, the beetles who are looking for places to lay eggs to turn into grubs that will attack your lawn are going to go someplace else. They're going to go to where it's wet. They're going to go to your neighbor who's watering for 15 minutes every day at noon, all right, and not yours. So that's another reason you just let the lawn dry out a little bit because it w- except for a, a real drought, it will bounce back mm-hmm. when the rains come back. Yeah. Um, Kentucky bluegrass can be dormant for about six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. Believe me. All right. Uh, before we go, I, I, I have to do this because uh, this is my uh, four-step lawn care program. Uh, Dan Costa came up with this years ago, and I stole it from him. And uh, I use this all the time. And this is how four-step programs work. And, and, I, and I be, I'm beginning to realize they're not advertising four-step programs a lot anymore. But they, in the day, that was what folks did. They told you you needed to apply fertilizer and, and pesticides, herbicides, uh, four times a year, minimum, just to get things going. My, my new rule is if you fertilize once a year, you're probably fine. Yeah. If if you need to do that at all, because as Ryan said, if you leave the grass clippings on the ground, it's for it's you're you're doing that yourself. And as Brandon pointed out, if you leave the clover in the ground, you're getting nitrogen fixed in the soil anyway. So you don't need this. But here's how the four uh, four step lawn care programs work. Step one, apply lawn fertilizer with too much nitrogen, weakening your lawn to insects and diseases. Step two, apply insect and disease control to cure the problems created by over fertilization. Step three, plant grass seed to repair the damage caused by steps one and two. Step four, return to step one. 
there you go. That's that's how those programs work, and you get sucked into it, and that's the deal. If you do it uh, naturally, you don't worry about that. You leave the clippings on the lawn, you core aerate, you overseed, you use uh, organic fertilizers, natural fertilizers, you mow high. We haven't gotten to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, do you, uh, Brad? I got to ask you: Do people ever ask you how high you're mowing their lawns? Um, I think most of our fertilizing clients, we try to get our crews to just mow it on the highest setting or whatever's tolerable for the client. But that's definitely something that we have in our, as we screen clients, we have to make sure that you're comfortable with a a higher setting on the lawnmower. You don't need that buzz cut kind of look because that really does open up that injection of sunlight down to where all those weed seeds are waiting below the surface and they're just going to germinate as soon as they get hit by that sunlight so if you can shade it out with taller grass especially early in the season that's definitely going to be to your benefit and that's a really good point too which is when you mow high it creates its own mulch uh which means that uh, and and it's its own mulch and its own pest control weed control because it's higher the seeds can't germinate as easily it's higher it retains more moisture there's a, that's your natural control. Also, right? if you mow a little bit too low, it'll tell the plant to grow the sh- back the shoots and not the roots. And we always want to pl- uh, grow the roots mm-hmm. and not focus really, on the Really, another good point, which is mm-hmm. how do you manufacture the, the root size? And it's by having more photosynthesis. That's in the leaf. If you cut it short, you're not getting as much photosynthesis. Mm-hmm. Again, another reason to mow high, folks. All right. Um, all right, Ryan, you've been doing some great stuff uh, with Midwest Grows Green. You just did a thing in Lyle, Illinois. There's a park there, and then another one. We're in Grand Rapids? Yeah, uh, four organic parks in Lyle, and we're going to do uh, six across greater Grand Rapids. In Mi- Michigan. In Michigan. In Michigan, yeah. And, and you're doing that with Stonyfield. Yeah, um, Stonyfield has this great initiative uh, right now uh, where they're helping 35 commun- communities across the U.S. implement organic fields, playing fields across the country, so they provide um, $5,000 to uh, park districts as well as cities uh, to purchase organic fertilizers as well as other equipment. And then they also fund uh, for our nonprofit, uh, Midwest Grows Green is the Mm -hmm. nonprofit for Midwest entities. And finally, a uh, organic lawn care expert, Chip Osborne, out from Osborne Organics, who's kind of known as the foremost. And he's out uh, from Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, he's... I've, I've had him on the show before. I, I've, right. I've been to uh, organic lawn care conferences with him, um, and he's he knows his stuff, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So they fund uh, for him to come up with a natural lawn care plan for uh, these, uh, these different parks. And so in Chicago area, Lyle Park District uh, received uh, that funding, and so we... Uh, we uh, introduced that at a press event on Saturday. Uh, there are four organic parks. They're going to be Abbeywood, Oak Hill, Connolly Memorial, and Lee Lane Park. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other cool thing is uh, Stonyfield got Jewel Osco to do a uh, $5,000 matching grant. Mm, nice. So we had uh, presented that on that day uh, and let Stonyfield – it was kind of like a surprise to the Lyle Park District. So now they have $10,000 to implement those four organic And parks. you wonder about that because you think of Stonyfield – uh, they do. You, you think of yogurt. I buy their yogurt. Okay, <laughs> um, and you don't think of them in terms of organic lawns and parks. And yet, in my mind, it's all connected. Mm-hmm. I think to the average person, it's not. They don't get the connection, but I do. 
Uh, and as they say, if you can go, you can go to their site, stonyfield.com slash play free. And I've got the link on my website. Go to mikenovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. Go to the uh, blog post this week and you can find the link. And, and they write um, at Stonyfield Organic, we've cared about the organic fields where our cows graze and the fields where our fruits and veggies grow for more than 35 years. Today, we extend that commitment to new fields, the playing fields. More than 26 million kids play sports on fields and 65% of fields are sprayed with harmful pesticides. It's time for a change. Um, and that makes perfect sense to me. So that's that's kind of the mission. And so you've teamed with them and you're doing this. And I, that's a great program. Yeah, it's uh, fantastic. Uh, you know, we don't have a lot of investment in the kind of natural lawn care space. Um, and so to have this uh, mm-hmm. to compete with the conventional, the kind of spray and pray, that four-step, five-step program, uh, it's great to have <laughs> that resource uh, yeah. with Stonyfield. So we're very appreciative of it. Yeah. And, and if you go to Play Free and also to uh, Midwest Grows Green, you guys have great uh, information about pesticides and about uh, doing your lawn naturally. Um, and you can find the same thing at uh, Stonyfield. Uh, I was just uh, amazed at uh, how how much they have uh, on uh, on their site there that folks can read through and learn something. And, and it protects you. Uh, for one thing, they say more than one billion with a B – Pounds of pesticides are used annually in the United States, according to the most recent EPA data. Uh, 11% of that is destined for use outside of agricultural settings, including on parks, school grounds, and athletic fields. Uh, And that's all you need to know about it, why to go safe. Well, listen to that. It's the music. We Mm got to say goodbye. Uh, Thank you so much for for being here with us, uh, Ryan Anderson. You can go to MidwestGrowsGreen.org. Org. Brandon Losey, thanks for, for joining us. Also, go to ringerslandscaping.com if you're in the Chicago area. Thanks for the good work you're doing on lawns and uh, parks. Thanks. Okay. Captain's Log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wharf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe? Author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. 
Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've got people actually subscribing to our YouTube channel here. Go for it, folks. Woo-hoo. Again, yeah, I'm going to take the first hundred names that uh, subscribe. This is our new deal. Of course, them in a box, shake them up, and you're going to win valuable Wally prizes from the Mike Novak Show with fabulous Peggy. prizes, fabulous, fabulous Wally, Wally prizes. Um, and so, just go to the YouTube page, watch the live stream, and subscribe. And we're still working on it, and even though it says <laughs> My, Mighty House Home Improvement Radio. No, that's our show. Pay no attention to that. Oh, <laughs> Andrew, does anything ever work right exactly the way you want to? Uh, not really, no. No, okay. No. This is a lesson for you, pal. As you as Precisely. you go out into the big world, uh, when you move forward now and, and, and join the work world, nothing will ever work out exactly the way you want it to. It's a Just, good lesson. That's yeah, it is a good lesson. And then you'll find out that, uh, you know... The Amazon is on fire, and the Arctic is on fire, and uh, there's other stuff going Alaska's on. Alaska's on fire, and yeah. Yeah, and, and we're, we're going to have to talk about that. I, I actually had to make reference to that. I don't, I don't even know what to say at this point because uh, we lose the uh, Amazon game over. Uh, game might be over already, but you lose the Amazon, we're done. We're cooked. Uh, and, uh, you know. Because we got some right wing nut job in uh, running Brazil right now. Yeah. Boy, isn't that fun? Okay, we don't have enough time for that. <laughs> no, we won't. Because we got other stuff we want to talk about. Like, well, coming up today um, from twelve to three at North Park Village Nature Center is Monarch Palooza. All right, that's at fifty eight hundred one North Pulaski. Um, this is discover the journey of the monarch butterfly observe monarch in all stages of their lives from eggs to butterfly they're going to be tagging and releasing on the hour weather permitting well it's a gorgeous day so i'm presuming it's weather permitting Mm -hmm. and uh there's some other things there's music going on there's weaving and drumming and printmaking and tagging and face painting there's a whole lot that is happening that day and this is through um, that's today today that, that today today. today yeah monarch community science team at the field museum in the chicago park district uh which brings us to something that i saw based on something that you sent me and it's an article uh out of the twin cities uh in uh minnesota uh if you're seeing a lot of monarch butterflies this summer you are not alone. Now they're saying this about Minnesota, but I, I imagine it applies to the rest of the Midwest as well and perhaps the whole country. After a few seasons of startlingly low numbers, uh Minnesota's monarch population has dramatically rebounded. The same goes for Wisconsin, Michigan, and southern Canada. They don't mention Illinois. Uh this is an unusually high spike, said Kyle Johnson, a moth and butterfly specialist for the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. The last couple of years had definitely been a low point. Uh, yeah, you think? Uh, so uh, they're saying that it might have something to do with people planting milkweed. Uh, so keep planting milkweed. For the eastern population. For the, well, we're not talking about the western yeah, population. Yeah, but just because those aren't on the rebound yet. No, but when we've talked monarch butterflies, we're basically talking about the eastern popula- population. And it also says Coral Lund Preston. Uh, said a survey of the monarch's wintering grounds in Michoacan, Mexico, found the highest population in more than a decade this past winter. Um, so yeah, that's a good well, sign well and I, I thought we saw the numbers from the the overwintering, and it didn't. It wasn't a huge spike up. It was a 
it it had bumped up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're I, waiting I don't remember, for some of the numbers still. Yeah, I don't remember it being huge. So I wouldn't uh, start jumping up and down and saying yay yet about yeah. that. And uh, now is also the time for the other plants <clears throat> that uh, have the nectar that the adults like as well, they're getting ready to head south. Well, now is the when the uh, generation that flies to yeah. Mexico is being born. The golden rods and iron weeds. And, and, and will come out and, uh, and then head south. Now, uh, something from um, the Morton Arboretum Plant Health Report, we mentioned that earlier in the show, uh, they talk about watering. And I think this is going to – and when we talk to meteorologist Rick DeMaio later in the show, this is going to be important as well because after, I think, the next couple of days, it dries out pretty good. And it's been pretty dry already. Uh, and the uh, the Morton Arboretum writes that this has been a difficult year for watering. In spring, we had an overabundance of rain. Then the tap turned off completely. Uh, rain during midsummer was all over the place, with some areas getting a lot, other play- areas getting nothing. As autumn comes on and the temperatures cool, and they have already, which is why it's a good time to mm-hmm. work on your lawn, uh, there's often the assumption that the growing season is over and we can put the garden hose away. Au contraire, mes amis. <laughs> Uh, That really is not the case even in a normal year. Should we be watering now, they ask. Because the rain has been so inconsistent, we really need to go out and observe the soil in our own yard. Yep, you can't do it on autopilot. If the soil is dry, you should be watering. Even if the soils were previously saturated, watering is all about what the plant needs now. With autumn... We will start to see plants go dormant and perennials will even start to die back. The root system of plants are still quite active and watering will help to keep them in good health. You can continue to water until the soil freezes, especially with trees and shrubs, especially evergreens, because they retain their needles year-round and they lose water through transpiration. I tell people, it's Thanksgiving, you put the turkey in the oven, you go out and water if it's warm, you know, if the ground isn't frozen, Mm -hmm. because that's what you need to do. So... Just a word to the wise. We'll be talking more about watering as the season comes up. All right. We're going to break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about what's going on at the USDA. It's something I've been watching for a long time. It ain't good. We'll find out what's happening. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. When it comes to caring for your trees, you want the best science and the best arborists. You get exactly that with Bartlett Tree Experts. For three generations, training and education have been central to the work of this family-owned company. And Bartlett is the leader in safety. Whether it's your home or your business, Bartlett Tree Experts uses the most effective and environmentally sensitive methods. Call for a free estimate. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Get out of your car and join the people of Evanston as they walk, bike, play, and celebrate green living in a car-free mile of Main Street on September 8th. Exercise classes, bike activities, music, interactive art, giant Jenga, Bollywood dance, and more. The Evanston Green Living Festival will be there with products, services, and ideas that encourage attendees to lead more sustainable lives. And the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is a sponsor. Go to evanstonstreetsalive.org or find them on Facebook. 
Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. Farm Forward is helping to change the way our world eats and farms to promote conscientious food choices, reduce farmed animal suffering, and advance sustainable agriculture. We are changing policy, changing farming, and changing the story by working with farmers to build alternatives that put animals, farmers, and communities first. To learn more about Farm Forward's work to end animal suffering and advance sustainable agriculture, visit www.farmforward.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter and find out what you can do to help. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Farm Forward. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I should probably offer a prize to whoever can figure out. I, you know, I wouldn't even say you, you need to find the name of the song. Just tell me the artist, uh, and you're not going to get it. It's Woody Guthrie, by the way. It's uh, something called Struggle Blues, and it's a song that uh, Mark Zuckerberg never heard of. <laughs> okay? So we don't have to worry oh, about boy. it. Or, or the folks behind YouTube, except we don't have a name uh, when they block us on YouTube. And they have recently. I have to tell you my They'll story. Block so, Mighty House. Uh, that's true. They're not blocking our show. They're blocking Mighty House. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And speaking of struggle blues, we have some blues and people with the blues in the U.S. Department of Agriculture in the United States of America. And uh, it's a story that uh, we haven't talked about on the show, but I've been following it for a while. And I know that Peggy has, and I know a lot of folks have. And you might have, if, if you're sort of just half paying attention to this, you might have seen headlines like the one I have on my blog uh, from The Hill. Uh, and, the, and the headline is pretty uh, appropriate. Scientists flee USDA as research agencies move to Kansas City area. You know, and that's what happens. You move to Kansas City and mm-hmm. everybody jumps ship. Uh, it happens all the time. No, it doesn't, actually. Uh, this is a very... Unfortunate situation going on in Washington, D.C., where uh, a couple of the agencies uh, at the USDA were told, you're going to move. We're moving your offices to uh, Kansas City. And they were given about 33 days to make that happen, even though the threat of that had been around since last year. Uh, But in June of this year, they pulled the plug. USDA and uh, Sonny Perdue, the secretary of the USDA, said, yep, you got 33 days and you can either uh, be part of this in, you can uproot your family, you can take them to uh, Kansas City, Missouri, uh, and uh, stay with us, or uh, you can quit. Uh, and, and and a few of you might be staying, but we're not telling you who yet. Uh, it's uh, a very complex situation, which is why we have Rebecca Bame. She's an economist with the food and Environment Program at the Union of Concerned Scientists. Uh, I want to thank uh, Maggie for getting her on the program. Rebecca, uh, good morning. 
Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show because you've been covering this for a while. I've read uh, some of your blogs about this at uh, the Union of Concerned Scientists, uh, obviously because this does involve science and in some ways, and we'll get into that, it is an attack on science. Uh, we we felt like we needed to discuss this on the show. So uh, I started this, uh, as you heard, explaining how the USDA uh, has told uh, folks, and it's in a certain uh, a couple of agencies in particular, which is the Economic Research Service or ERS, which is a statistical agency, and the National Institute of Food and Agriculture or the NIFA, which funds cut, uh, cutting edge agricultural science. Um, so why were these two agencies uh, in the center of the bullseye? Uh, and what does that mean for science in the USDA? I know that's a very broad question, so pick it up uh, uh, however, you, however you want to at this point, Rebecca. Sure. Uh, so you, yes, you did an excellent job summarizing some of what's happened um, relating to the relocation of, of ERS and uh, the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, or NEFA. Um, and you ask a great question about why these two agencies uh, have the target on their backs. And I think from all that's happened uh, uh, since the Trump administration took office, um, it the overall intent seems to be that when the administration doesn't like the scientific findings of agencies like ERS, uh, they will use every play in the playbook to uh, to hide those findings and to push out the scientists who do the work uh, and even try to dismantle those agencies and defund them. Uh, so it it appears that the this relocation is politically motivated um, in an attempt to keep science and evidence out of the policy making process. At least that's what we 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 think that is what's happening, and there's a lot of evidence to support that. Uh, and you write, and I follow following your your blogs. You write that this has been going on for some time. the mm -hmm. The move is not the only thing happening. Before the move, there was uh, an effort. Well, a, a new rule that was put in place with regard to scientific papers that um, said they were not uh, official. I'm looking for the, uh, the, the exact words here. Uh, preliminary. Preliminary, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the agency said you can do peer-reviewed papers, as you write. It's, uh, for scientists, it's a significant accomplishment to get your work published in a peer-reviewed journal. The process of submitting a paper, fielding reviewer comments, and revising the work can take months or years and final publication in a respected journal lends credibility to any researcher's work. And then all of a sudden, the USDA says, yeah, that's great. We're going to call those papers preliminary instead of uh, factual or however, you know, peer-reviewed. Uh, they're, they're still peer-reviewed, but the agency calls it preliminary. What is that all about, Rebecca? That's, yeah, that's a, that was a policy implemented uh, earlier in the Trump administration for researchers 
uh, within certain sub-agencies at USDA, um, it was a change, uh, a substantial change from the prior policy. So when researchers at ERS, for example, published their research in these journals, um, which it is very challenging, and, you know, when you do that kind of work, uh, experts in your field are reviewing it critically. Uh, it, it takes a long time to get a paper published in mm-hmm. a journal. So they made this change to have this disclaimer on these peer-reviewed papers to suggest that the work was preliminary. And any researcher <laughs> or scientist knows that when a, an article is published in a journal, it's not preliminary. Um, now, <laughs> no. what's interesting is that <laughs> we all know that <laughs> as scientists. And so Actually, with because of a lot of pushback, um, uh, the agency, the, 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 the administration actually uh, repealed that disclaimer. Um, but uh, when they when they announced that revision, so that the word preliminary is no longer required on on articles, um, there was still concern uh, amongst myself and other former USDA officials um, that the new guidance. So they issued new guidance on how scientists at the USDA were to publish their work in these journals. Um, and the, the new guidance was very strict. Um, and it gave sig- significantly more oversight um, uh, of management um, and higher up officials at USDA to review the work. And so even with the repeal of that disclaimer, there's still a deep concern that um, things may not be able, you know, may not see the light of day because the administration, when the, the, the findings aren't convenient, um, they they want to you know have a say and and not let the public see that and we we've seen that um, in other instances at USDA so um, in 2010 the agency issued a, a plan to look at how climate change affects agricultural production this was their climate uh, cli- climate mm-hmm. response plan um, that that plan was supposed to be released um, in the last couple of years an update essentially of that 2010 plan. Uh, and a report in Politico earlier this summer found that the agency squashed that plan and didn't let it see the light of day, um, even though it was, you know, to look at how climate change is affecting farmers and ranchers across the country, um, they they squashed it from public view. Um, and it was only um, made public through this this reporter's uh, article, investigation. Um, so, so we've seen we've seen this suppression of science and research, um, and hiding essentially hiding this work from the public and from you know our the people who make grow our food. Um, you know we've seen this again and again with the Trump administration, and it's not just USDA. We've seen it at other agencies as well, as well like the Environmental Protection Agency. So, uh, this is this is a pattern. It's not a one-off, unfortunately. Yeah, and I'm seeing uh, even the Department of the Interior is being threatened with moving. Uh, they're just trying to are the um, the BLM the B, the Bureau of Land Management, which is part of the Department of the Interior, uh, and they want to break up the Office of Personnel Management and split fifty five hundred workers. It sounds like divide and conquer to me. And and one of the things you 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 say, Rebecca, that's so interesting is that you're, the administration seems to be cherry picking various agencies uh and doing this in a very systematic way you know i, I they've got some pretty uh, crafty people apparently in the uh the government because i don't think the guy at the top has a clue uh how to pull off stuff like this but he has managed to find some of the most nefarious characters to 
systematically break up uh, what have been really effective uh, departments. Uh, and that that can't bode well for our for our safety uh, and the science uh, in the future in the United States. You're you're absolutely right, um, and that's what our concern is that the the research and the 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 scientific work that ERS does. So ERS is a research agency, as you said before, and NEFA is a grant making agency. So they send money out to land grant universities across the country, and then they do excellent research mm-hmm. with that funding. Um, so you know these two agencies fund a lot of research, um, and or you know are actively doing it and. That there's tremendous public good in that. Taxpayers, the the there's been estimates of the uh, the benefits of that research. Uh, for every dollar invested, there's a twenty dollar return. Um, so you know, and we we think that we need more of that and not less. So it's it's really concerning that uh, the way so with this relocation, the way they've carried it out, there's been substantial attrition in the staff of both agencies. So uh, it's expected that only fifty employees from both ERS and NEFA, uh, so 100 total, will actually move to this new site in Kansas City when it's finally <laughs> determined where it's going to be. And that's... Um, so, and, and it's, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and that, <clears throat> excuse me, that's, that's uh, what, a, about uh, one quarter of the staff that was there originally? That's right. There's been serious attrition as a result mm-hmm. of the way so, that this relocation has unfolded. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, I, and, and and I want to emphasize what you wrote here and to understand what the kind of work that they do and why this is important. And you mentioned not only the move in, in your blog post, but the cuts the administration was 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 uh, outlining cuts in the budget as well. And as you write, um, these cuts would eliminate huge swaths of research. The ERS conducts the most recent budget proposal zero zeros out research on food consumption and nutrition, invasive species, markets for environmental services, bioenergy and renewable energy, agricultural research investments, international food security, food and nutrition assistance, drought resilience, rural economics, beginning farmers and ranchers, and local regional food markets. And as you write, what remains is bare bones. The only research the administration wants to continue, according to its office budget document, concerns farm business, household income and wealth, agricultural cost of production, and farm practice adoption. So they're taking all the environmental stuff out and saying, we really don't need to look at that. Uh, anything that makes us money, yeah, you guys can continue to do that. Is that a fair estimation of that? I think I think you know there's the the proposed cut so that 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 was from the the Trump administration's proposed budget mm-hmm. cut to these agencies and yes a, a substantial negative impact on the public interest on food safety on you know ensuring that farmers and ranchers have the tools and understand how to you know adapt to climate change um absolutely and uh, you know, as we know, a proposed budget by the administration has to be uh, approved or negotiated with Congress. Uh, and, uh, you know, so those aren't just adopted by fiat. But we think that this, you know, this relocation as it as it has unfolded and we've seen the attrition of all of the staff that uh, they've used the relocation as a way to to cut 
cut the agency's budget and to reduce the amount of research in those areas that you specified. And in fact, uh, Mick Mulvaney was at a, a Republican uh, fundraiser uh, in South Carolina earlier this summer and basically said that, that this was, you know, he said, you know, we're trying to drain the swamp and look at USDA. Mm-hmm. We've been able to force federal workers to quit. Um, so, so really when we see these budget cuts and we see the relocation, um, you know, we feel like there's intent there to actually, uh, yeah. um, uh, Rebecca, uh, uh, bring strength agencies. Yes. Uh, before we break here, I've got that clip, and I'm going to play it right now for folks who have did not hear Mick Mulvaney talking about why they're doing this. Here it goes. Heard about Drain the Swamp. What you probably haven't heard is what we're actually doing. I don't know if you saw the news the other day, um, but the USDA just tried to move, or did move, two offices out of Washington, D.C., I think to Kansas City, Missouri. Yes, you can applaud that one, because that's what we've been talking about doing. Guess what happened? Guess what happened? More than half the people quit. Now, it's nearly impossible to fire a federal worker. I know that because a lot of them work for me, and I've tried, and you can't do it. But by simply saying to people, you know what, we're going to take you outside the bubble, outside the beltway, outside this liberal haven of Washington, D.C., and move you out into the real part of the country, and they quit. What a wonderful way to sort of streamline government and do what we haven't been able to do for a long time. And that, if you ask me, is chilling, okay, because it's the people who who want to cut government and drown it in a bathtub, get it so small you can drown it in a bathtub. They're running the show right now, and this is what they're doing. Uh, We're going to continue this conversation with Rebecca Bain from the Union of Concerned Scientists. Uh, You're also welcome to make a comment if you want, 877-711-5611. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. considered how your body may impact the environment and those left behind after you die? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. According to the Green Burial Council, conventional burials result in the annual use of 77,000 trees and nearly 5 million gallons of embalming fluid containing cancer-causing chemicals. And one cremation uses as much energy as a 500-mile car trip and releases 250 pounds of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. There are many alternatives available now in the U.S. You can become a tree or even be part of rebuilding a coral reef. A green burial could be your last act of love for the earth. Do your homework for your family and talk about it now. I'm Green Diva Meg. Listen to over 500 Green Divas podcasts and learn lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. If you love to landscape with trees and you haven't been to Rich's Fox Willow Pines in Woodstock, you've missed out on their collection of unique conifers and rare deciduous trees. Unfortunately, after 31 years in business, they're closing their doors at the end of 2019. So now is the time to take advantage of 40% off for container trees and 30% off in-ground trees. There's a good supply of pines, spruces, firs, hemlocks, junipers, yews, and the deciduous larches, bald cypresses, and dawn redwoods. Many of the cultivars are dwarf in form or have unusual shapes, such as weeping, mounding, or angular. These are not your grandfather's conifers. Stop by, select, and tag your trees now for fall digging. By the way, the sale of all their garden art goes to Mano Omano International Partners to build schools and clinics in Bolivia. Go to richesfoxwillowpines.com for more information. Follow them on Facebook and sign up for the e-newsletter. That's richesfoxwillowpines.com. Thank you. 
playing this just to wake you up. Okay. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We are talking to Rebecca Bain from the Union of Concerned Scientists, and we're talking about uh, about the the proposed move and other things of the USDA agencies from Washington D.C. to uh, Kansas City. And one one thing I have to say about that, Rebecca, as far as I can tell. And I could be wrong. Maybe something's happened in the last few days. They don't even know which side of the Mississippi River or uh, wait, the yeah, Kansas City, because mm-hmm. they don't know what side where of, it's even going. Yeah, I don't know if it's Mississippi. It's whatever river, Kansas City, Mo and Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, sep- the Missouri. I-, I don't remember. They don't know which side of the river that the, the building is going to be on yet, do they? That That's right. And in fact, um, they will move to a temporary location. Uh, the employees as of September 30th, and then they will, for those who chose to relocate, and then another temporary location until they move into their final location. That's the current plan, and I use air quotes (laughs) for plan because that doesn't seem like a very efficient, uh, you know, way to move employees. No, it's not. It's because they tell them, okay, uh, the time timeline is last year, I think it was August, uh, there were hints, uh, Sonny Purdue says, Secretary Sonny Purdue says, uh, yeah, we think we might be doing something like this. Then June comes and they say, okay, you've got 33 days to pack up your things and go. Uh, and then uh, there's an outrage. And then uh, USDA says, well, no, we'll give you a little more time. And I'm looking at this, uh, uh, Rebecca, and then – they renege on that promise to give them more time. And now it seems to be up in the air and the union uh, is, is not happy about this. Um, And and they're cutting severance and they're, uh, and the, and who knows what's going on, but it doesn't surprise me. If you look at the administration in whole, which is chaos is the way they operate. It sounds like chaos is the way they're operating in the USDA right now as well. That's right. Uh, they they did have there was a, a a potential agreement to give these potential relo you know relocating employees uh, flexibility, so some time to telework uh, from Washington uh, for until December of this year. There was talk of giving uh, you know employees bonuses to relocate, uh, and that is all not happening. Um, and you'd imagine that if if your intent was to keep these agencies whole, to allow them to, you know, fulfill their missions, to do the research, that you would offer employees some of these incentives and flexibilities to keep them at the agencies because they're experts. This, these mm-hmm. agencies have decades of experts doing research on food safety, on agricultural production, a whole host of really important topics to the food system. Um, and instead, they've not given employees they've given employees very little incentive to, to relocate um, to Kansas city. And it's, it's going to take many, there's been, you know, reports in the news by former USDA officials that it'll take decades to replace these staff um, because they had so much expertise in, in the work that they're doing. And it, you know, so it, it's going to take a long time to rebuild. And and in the meantime, uh, you know, there's, huge negative consequences, again, for the public, for farmers and ranchers and food consumers because of the work these agencies do. And there's a, there was a, a, an article by the American Federation of Government Employees, the AFGE, 
Uh, their headline on their article was that the government bungled the negotiations. They didn't bungle them. They torpedoed them. They sabotaged the negotiations uh, because there was that deadline, that hard deadline in, in, of uh, July 15th, then it became December, and now Sonny Purdue was saying, oh, no, I never said that. And it seems to me this is all a way to keep uh, anybody opposing this off balance because – the goalposts keep, they're not only being moved back, they're being moved forward, they're being moved sideways, they're being moved in all directions. And it makes it hard for anybody to, uh, to, to fight against this. And even though there was an article just the other day that, uh, that talks about how this might have violated the 2018 Appropriations Act. So my question to you is, okay, let's say that there's uh it's determined and maybe congress even gets involved although they seem to be rather impotent in this whole thing uh that this act was violated we've already got people who quit the the the, the agencies are already uh down to skeleton crews would they be able to come back what do you think would happen is there is there any moving forward or is this what they had in mind all along which let's create chaos see get a bunch of bunch of people to resign and then uh, let's see if they can pick up the pieces. I think that there's still there's absolutely <laughs> a, a role for Congress still. Um, so Congress can provide oversight on what the administration is doing, um, you know, not just looking backwards and looking at what has happened, but looking forward to ensure that um, that they can that, that the agencies can continue to fulfill their missions. I think that is what I'm most concerned about moving mm-hmm. forward is given the attrition that's happened, um, is that can these agencies continue to do the things that they are mandated to do? And Congress needs to step in and ask those questions. And of course, as you say, the inspector general, their report found that, uh, that the USDA does need to get, uh, approval, uh, to, to do the relocation, to spend money on the relocation. So Congress should do something, uh, should be pressuring the secretary to, uh, you know, to, to give, you know, to get the approval. Um, and I think that the public, given what's at stake here in terms of, uh, you know, the impacts that this will have on farmers and ranchers, the impacts this will have on food safety, um, you know, ERS, for example, does research on food insecurity. They're tracking hunger and food security rates across the country. Uh, they're tra- you know, they do research on food safety and how regulations keep our food supply safe. I think the public should be calling their elected leaders um, and demanding that Congress provide oversight uh, of, of what's to come and to ensure that these, these agencies uh, can fulfill their mission. I think that's the key question that Congress should ask is, mm-hmm. given uh, how this is unfolding, yeah. are these agencies going to be able to do, to do their work? Can they do their mission? Can they carry it out? Or is it just too far gone at this point? Uh, Go ahead, Peggy. Well, one of the things you also pointed out um, with the Agriculture and Applied Economics Association that you're a part of, that they've kind of reviewed the cost and and benefit analysis that Purdue came out and they came out and said, well, this is going to help the taxpayers. But studies that that you, you know, this group has done is saying that, no, actually, the, the taxpayers are going to come out in the red on this. That the move that's is right. not saving so, money. That's right. So um, on June 13th, when they announced that Kansas City would be the location for the new site, uh, 
USDA also released a uh, an analysis of the cost savings that mm-hmm. would be resulting from from the relocation and found that due to lower real estate costs and lower cost to staffing that they would save $300 million over 15 years. So that's not one year, that's 15 years, 15. $300 million. Um, and which is a drop in the bucket when you think about it, um, over a 15 year period. But, um, my professional association, the Agricultural and Applied Economics Association reviewed the, the, the benefit, the cost benefit analysis that USDA released that day and found that they left out, uh, a number of costs and benefits that are real that should have been accounted for, um, and 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 they determined that in fact the relocation would would be a loss to taxpayers in the order of three thirty seven to one hundred twenty eight million dollars, um, and some of the the things that they left out in the analysis was that they didn't include uh, lower real estate costs mm-hmm. in the national capital region, so they didn't look at any potential sites in Washington D.C. that might have lower uh, rent. They didn't look at the USDA didn't look at uh, any of the buildings they own that have um, unused space. So that would, of course, be a saving. Right. That they could just move uh, them then, right there. Yes. Correct. And, you know, they didn't take into account. Um, and this is this is where my concern is the lost productivity due to the move, due to the attrition um, and, and the cost is, is that it will the USD will incur to rehire all the staff, and 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 by AAEA's perspective, um, it will take you know five to ten years to to restaff these agencies, and even then, there's still going to be lost productivity, and and that's 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 harming farmers and ranchers yeah. and people that rely on the research, um, and the and the funding that comes from NEPA, so land grant universities, obviously should be concerned because. You know this 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 will this must delay this this will delay the funding that they get. Um, it might affect the quality of the reviews that grants get at these agencies. Yeah. So all of those costs were not included in the cost benefit analysis. Plus, the and there's co- even been questions. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say plus the cost of finding the new employees. It's not like there's all these experienced PhD people out there who can just step right in. That's right. Exactly. And and the other thing um, is that. Uh, there was a hearing in the Senate uh, about a month ago, and Senator Leahy from Vermont asked some really tough questions about um, the methods used for the cost-benefit analysis that they released, that USDA released on the 13th of June, um, and really questioning the the rigor of that analysis. And I think it's really important to keep questioning that um, because it, it really felt like a justification for the move uh, versus a transparent and honest. Uh, accounting of all the costs and benefits to relocate these two agencies, which is what taxpayers should want. They should want, you know, we should want a transparent and balanced <laughs> and clear yeah. approach to, to, to determining how our, our tax dollars. Wait, wait, wait. You're talking about it. You want enlightened government. What the heck are you thinking? Uh, She's applying logic to the situation. No, it's just it's it, you know we've we've all watched how this 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 play or this movie unfolds and it does not end well. Uh, and I wanted to point out something, uh, Rebecca, uh, that you have skin in the game because you're an economist yourself. Uh, you're a PhD. Uh, you're you're a member of the Agricultural and Applied Economics Association. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So. Uh, when you write for this 
for the union of concerned scientists, it's not just you're not on a hill someplace saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, look at this bad thing going on." It's like these are these are your colleagues. These this is work you've done. You mentioned some of the papers you've written, how you've been affected by these decisions. So, uh, as I said, you got skin in the game, and it's really important that to you that the science will out in this case. And we have about thirty seconds for you to wrap this up. Absolutely. I think the key is that we should all want evidence and rigorous science to be used in the policymaking process, because if that's not what's being used to develop policy for food and agriculture, then what's left is politics. And that is not how we want policy to be made. That's a brilliant way of summing up. Thank you so much, Rebecca Bame from Union of Concerned Scientists. Go to my website, MikeNovak.net. I got a ton of links there. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. This is Mike Novak. If you're a sustainable business and you're not part of the McHenry County College Green Living Expo, my question is, what? It's McHenry County's largest annual green living event, but it's one of the best green events in the area. These folks get it. The energy is palpable. They're ready to change the world now with your help as a vendor or sponsor. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. What happens when you bring together hundreds of people from diverse faiths and walks of life across Illinois and the Midwest with the goal of healing the earth? You get the Green Team Summit, which celebrates the 20th anniversary of Faith in Place. This important gathering happens on Saturday, September 14th at the Field Museum in Chicago. And the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki will be there. We want you to join us to fight for environmental justice. Go to faithinplace.org. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com and on the Gab Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up for posts in our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for their logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll vamp here until the music starts at some point. All together now. Come on, you guys can start anytime. There we go. Blue Moon. All right. That's all we need. That's all we get. Uh, welcome back. You've got something to tell us about. Peggy. Yeah. Say, have you wanted to plant natives in your yard but weren't sure how to go about it? Yes. Fear not. <laughs> yes. Fear not. City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, is presenting Natives for Newbies, parts one and two, on Thursday, August uh, 29th. Oh, uh, and uh. And Thursday, September 5th, from 6.30 to 8 p.m., so this week and next week. Join Julie Siegel of J. Siegel Designs. 
to learn the fundamentals of using native plants in your landscape. Who was on our program earlier this yeah. year and a friend of mine for many years at uh, the Midwest Ecological Landscape Alliance. Yeah, and Julie's one of the most experienced native landscape architects in the Chicago area. And you can find out more at City Grange on Facebook or go to citygrange.com. City Grange, learn, shop, blossom. And what are those dates again? Those dates are Thursday, August 29th and Thursday, September 5th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. So this Thursday and the following Thursday, learn about natives. And really, uh, it helps to know what you're putting in and where you're going to put it in. And I think even if you're not a newbie to natives, you're going to learn something. Uh, It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And uh, let's bring in our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio. I don't know if you heard any of that conversation uh, before you came on, Rick, but it's... The USDA being basically picked apart um, by uh, the current administration and the science being dismantled. It's, uh, it's disconcerting, to say the least. No, I, I, I did not hear the conversation. So what part of the USDA is being picked apart? I mean, that's, that's a pretty big umbrella there. Yeah, it's a couple of research uh, agencies in uh, the uh, USDA. The, the ERS? Yeah, the ERS which is the uh, Economic Research Service. It's a statistical agency. And the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, uh, NIFA, which funds cutting-edge agricultural science. So basically, And land-grant colleges. Right. I mean, and it's the stuff that basically uh, is about environmental services, bioenergy, renewable energy, agricultural research. Anything that involves numbers, stats, or science – is what they're trying to uh, – they, they basically, they told the, the, the folks in those agencies that uh, you're moving from Washington, D.C. to Kansas City, Kansas, and it's on the Missouri River, as we <laughs> should have known. My geography failed me there for a second. But they didn't even – they haven't even right. told people which side of the Missouri River they're going to be yeah. on. Where, what, where do you buy your house? Where, are you going to be in Kansas City, Missouri or Kansas City – uh, Kansas. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. They're they're just doing it to cause chaos in the agency and dismantle the science. It's it's really, really unfortunate. And they're leaving in droves. Uh, yeah, and and yeah, and, and and it sounds like it's more so about destroying the advancement of science and the presentation of facts that might otherwise be in somewhat um, confrontation with what the current administration is trying to do. Well, yeah. Which we still hear them. Yeah, we we still hear them saying we're going to get rid of regulations because that's going to make American corporations do things the way they want, and that makes America great again. I have never. I don't think I've ever heard of anybody saying, "Yeah, we don't really want people inspecting our chicken or our beef, and we want we want lower standards on how we want our milk processed, and we don't want cars to get thirty five miles per gallon." I don't know of anybody who thinks that way and is a rational human being. I really don't. No, but uh, the, what you have to do is get folks to put two and two together. So when they see a story that says the USDA is moving to Kansas City and that's all they read because that's all they all they read is the headline, they don't uh, they don't put those uh, pieces together and realize that it's the dismantling of the inspection of the mm-hmm. things that keep us healthy that make us not drop dead of diseases. Um, uh, because all they know is, oh yeah, some uh, USDA, some some agriculture people are moving to Kansas City, and that's all they know. Right, and and like I like I've heard before, there's already enough jobs in the federal government. Why do we need so many? I've actually heard 
some of those arguments on the days that I've listened to, and this will shock you, but I listened <laughs> to Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh um, and Dan Proft in the morning every once in a while to hear not so much what the other side is saying, but how absurd the people who are listening to what the people are saying on the radio are calling in and agreeing with them. That's the scary part. That's what I think is scary, that there's actually people out there who have been brainwashed by this. And I listen to that, and I go, wow, we have a lot more work to do. It's not so much getting people elected, but it's actually getting people who listen to this stuff and go, you realize that what you're saying really doesn't make much sense, but all they know is that it's making America great again, and this is where they want it to go. So it's really, um, it's really challenging not only for scientists, but also for educators. So for people like me, when I go into the classroom, I'm not only trying to teach science, but I'm also trying to kind of reteach kids how to think. And there is some good news here, because I have mm-hmm. seen from both sides and I did this every semester when I hand out a questionnaire, and I give it to students, and I say, three questions you have about weather and three questions that concern you about science. And Mike and Peg, I have seen a seismic shift over the last two to three years across the board. I have about 250 to 275 students per semester, and I've seen a seismic shift of students saying, I am concerned about science and I'm concerned about the climate. But I really think we're kind of getting into the younger crowd and making them think a little bit differently. The older crowd, I don't know. They, they think with their pocketbooks and their 401ks, I don't think you're going to change that crowd anytime soon. Well, we've got two of the younger crowd yeah. in the I, other room there. They're paying attention, and we know, we know that, and that's, and that's great. And meanwhile, of course, the, uh, uh, the Earth is on fire, the Amazon's on fire, the Arctic is on fire. Um, and uh, there seems to be little we can do about it because we're not even an example, a shining beacon anymore. Uh, we, you know, I can't, I can't go yelling at Brazilians and say, "Get your act together," because uh, I have to look at Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. here. So uh, it's, and and I want to correct one thing that some people are saying, and you might have seen this too, Rick. I put, posted this on Facebook earlier this week that some people have been saying that. The Amazon provides twenty percent of the oxygen on the planet, and it's just not true. Um, it, it, you know, it 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 sucks up a lot of carbon, but it doesn't actually pr- uh, provide twenty percent of the oxygen on the Earth. Uh, and there there's there's science to to prove that. But a lot of people are saying that because they they want to make their point that this is really really mm-hmm. destructive and it's going to really harm us in ways that we can't even imagine right now. My take on this, and believe it or not, we had about a five-minute conversation with my students at the College of Lake County up in Grays Lake, and these are kids who are basically in a two-year school who have come out of schools like Warren, Waukegan, Zion, um, up around the Libertyville area, and these are kids that were actually asking me about how bad is this and what can we do to stop this. So again, Mike and Peg, I really believe that there is a much, much more um, attempt from younger students and younger kids to learn more about this. I, I just hope that we're not hitting them over the head with the hammer and saying the only way to do this is to completely get rid of carbon by 20 or uh, fossil fuels by 2050, which is what Bernie Sanders said. As much as I would love Bernie to succeed on that, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Okay. I think we come in this in a, in a different, more delicate a, a approach. All right, we need we need a like a, a thirty second forecast right here, Rick. 
Yeah, no, no, no problem there. Nice today, high temperature about 75. Rain tomorrow. Peg had asked me through her email how much rain we're going to get tomorrow. Probably about an inch, maybe an inch and a quarter. And then right back to cooler and drier weather for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No rain. Temperatures near seasonal levels. Quiet, cool weather for the rest of the week, guys. All right. Thank you so much. Until next time, go green or go home. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.